0: Are we good? Are we going? I think we're
1: ready. <laughs> oh dear. This is weird, ruless, isn't it? Yeah,
0: I mean, I'm fine with it being ruleless. I think he'll he'll join us a bit later. But I think we need to talk about something that he can't really join us on, that he isn't an expert on for once, <laughs> which is hair. Yeah,
1: he doesn't have a lot of hair, that man. He
0: does not have a lot of hair. I've seen him grow uh, a moustache as well. That was a genuine feat, but yeah, not so lucky on the head. So he'll never hear this because he doesn't listen to the show, but... My hair is now in front of my eyes. I have tried kind of top knotting. <laughs> that did not go well. Did not suit me. No. Mm.
1: Can't pull that one off.
0: No, oh, no, can't pull that one off. And it's and now at the stage where it's kicked out past my ears as well. So when I wear a hat, it just kind of goes angled out the side. <laughs> 90 degrees out. It's a good look. <sighs> yeah. That That's not a good look either. I'm, I'm struggling with finding a way that I can wear my hair without looking ridiculous
1: you don't trust yourself to cut it then
0: oh no
2: no i don't i have a suggestion for you oh here he is yeah you go with the rue quarantine cut and then you don't have to worry about styling your hair it's you mean shaving all my hair (gasps) that's exactly correct Mm. yes i have enough hair for the both of us how does that sound Uh, accurate
1: Thanks for showing up, Rue.
2: Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like, <laughs>
1: right.
2: my wife was teaching a, a lesson in here in the office, and like, all my stuff was in here. And the kids are complaining that they don't get to watch enough television, if you can believe that. <laughs> <shit>. <laughs> and then I'm trying to teach Sophia math at the kitchen table, and luckily, like, she's a whiz, so she just got it. But like, you know, if she hadn't, it w- that would have been a struggle. But thankfully, it wasn't. We're doing common denominators and, and comparing fractions right now. By the
0: way, I think that's one of my Biggest fears about having
2: children is teaching maths especially. She
1: probably knows more than I do, let's face it.
2: She's very smart. I uh, I appreciate what Chris Hemsworth said uh, to Graham Norton oh, the yes. other day. He goes, we've just all accepted that the Hemsworths are just coming out of this a little bit dumber than when we started.
1: <laughs> I like that he said he was doing sleep stories, but his kids wouldn't listen to his own sleep stories. That was funny. That's awesome. It reminds me of my partner in this podcast.
2: I'll listen to your sleep stories, okay? Don't you worry about it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that does fit with the uh, the reviews that we've been getting that that were to do with
2: falling asleep during the podcast. I know. Yeah. It's great. Listen, and I, I have been listening to the show a little bit here and there, <gasps> and I got to tell you, like, top-notch. Top-notch uh, from the editing booth. Really. Just... Just fantastic. Amazing. It's been great.
1: Thank you. Yeah, you know,
0: thank you. We started off the show by commenting that you didn't listen so we could <laughs> talk
2: <to you>. um. <laughs> I look forward to hearing that, actually. That'll be great. Should we get into some Watchtower Weekly?
1: Let's do it.
2: So TechCrunch is reporting that a new iPhone email security bug may let hackers steal private data. Apple will patch a newly discovered iPhone vulnerability that security researchers say hackers have already used to steal data from their victims' devices. The vulnerability was discovered by security firm ZecOps. Zuck Abraham, the company's chief executive, said the firm found the bug last year during a routine investigation. At least six organizations were targeted by attackers as far back as 2018 he said. uh, This is a bug in the default mail app on iPhone. By sending a specially crafted email to the victim's device, an attacker can overrun the device's memory, allowing the attacker to remotely run malicious code to steal data from the device.
0: The most interesting thing about this is the timeline. It didn't come in with the latest version of, of iOS. No. It came in with iOS 6. It's been vulnerable since iOS 6. Yeah. So I can only presume that this was a zero day and Dave followed the right practices and surprisingly it hasn't been fixed by the time that the the vulnerability has has come to light which seems
2: odd i agree that means that it must be very difficult to fix is my guess like this is not there's nothing trivial about this
0: yeah the the fact that it's you know kind of zero interaction is very worrying anybody can send you this and if you're using the apple mail piece of software you are vulnerable which
2: if you are on an ios device you probably are no
0: i'm using gmail oh wow (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Do you know why? Because Apple Mail is so far behind on showing you phishing attacks and detailing who has sent the email and all of that kind of information. They're ridiculously behind. They're obviously not prioritizing that type of thing because they almost hide the email address now by the person's name. I have to imagine that's going to change. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I can imagine them working on a huge version that, that comes out and fixes all of these things and, and takes phishing really seriously and knocks a huge dent in it. I just don't know why we haven't seen yeah, that yet. I agree. I mean, what are they, what
2: are they even doing over there?
0: Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Building cars and glasses, that's the thing. (laughs) We can jump into the next one. Yeah. Yeah. After intense scrutiny, uh, Zoom has tightened up their security with version 5. So why are reporting this. It's the latest in the video conferencing software's 90-day plan to overhaul its security. After a few weeks of bad press, the bad press included weirdly descripting end-to-end encryption that didn't kind of exist, (laughs) to password protection on calls being a bit odd, and their encryption leaking video frames. Yeah, I mean, they have done a whole bunch in the last couple of weeks. I can imagine it's been a very stressful time to be a Zoom engineer.
2: Yeah, I'm looking at the release notes for for version 5 right now. I'm actually still on 4.6 because I haven't gotten the update yet, but there's a lot here. This is no joke. You definitely know that there have been very stressful meetings about, like, our image is headed for the toilet. Like, we have to fix this now. Let's get to it. And in the meantime, like... Everything's terrible in the world like we're all facing different stresses <laughs> so I can't I really can't imagine that that this has been a fun time at Zoom but I will say like to their credit they've done some really good things and and it's nice to see them reacting in this way because it is still the best video conferencing tool that we've found. We've tried others now and they're all kind of garbage. Zoom is actually <laughs> really good it scales super well and uh, first of all it runs the same on all my devices which i'm i'm blown away because i take all my calls usually on on an ipad or an iphone and like i can screen share on the ipad just as easily as i can on the iphone on the desktop it's fantastic so yeah i'm really happy to see that they've taken this seriously and have been pushing improvements uh, so yeah the, the other big one this week microsoft teams
0: they've fixed a gif cyber attack flaw Uh, which I think is the first time I've ever said that phrase.
2: Yeah. Okay, what is a GIF cyber attack? Well, I'm, I'm pretty
0: sure you could send some sort of GIF and there was either metadata in that GIF or there was a compromised subdomain that would serve up this malicious image. Ah,
2: yes. It's the the, the GIF itself is malicious. It doesn't. It's not like uh, harmful to the eyes. Yeah, you can't accidentally do it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I thought that maybe it was like I'm imagining someone getting like a million GIFs and and it just like overwhelming their chat messages.
0: Bombarded. Oh, Ddos.gif
2: Yes, yes. I thought this was a GIF DDoS.
1: Before we go any further, what is your favorite GIF?
0: The the high five in the office. Nice. Uh, from from the TV show The Office. The the high five.
1: Yeah, I like that one. I like a lot of parks and recreation gifts, especially the one Ooh. with uh, Ron Swanson dancing in his little tiny hat. I like that one. Oh,
0: that's <laughs> a good one. Oh, that's a good episode. We watched that the other day. Yeah. I don't think I have one. No, this is this is very sad. Aww. So CyberArk said it notified Microsoft of the vulnerability on the 23rd of March, the actual day that lockdown began in the UK, and the patch has since been released. This type of exploit has been seen before, and while the attack pattern is not easy to set up, it is a workable attack that could spread very rapidly between all users. That's what uh, a professor from the University of Surrey said.
1: And all the user had to do was actually view the malicious GIF. So all you'd have to do is send me that high five from the office, Matt, and I would be compromised.
2: Apparently harmless GIFs. That's what they called them. Apparently harmless. Oh, all right. Aren't all GIFs apparently harmless? Well, no, that's not (laughs) true. I've been been sent some that are definitely not.
0: Well, this is the case, right? Oh, we're going there, are we? All right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, no. So attackers could have used this malicious gift to actually scrape the user's data and ultimately take over an organization's entire roster of Teams accounts, which is a pretty bad exploit. Yeah, this is very bad.
1: <laughs> That's all we've got to say on that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So the next one, this is a bit of a conversation point because the article Goes down the route of negativity, but I actually think that it's very balanced, the actual argument. So Stripe is logging your mouse movements on websites' payment pages for your own good, says the CEO. So Stripe CEO Patrick Collison uh, insists that his company's collection of e-commerce customers' site interactions, uh, mouse metrics, and identifiers is solely for fighting fraud. Basically, the article from the register is about whether they need this information and... You know, obviously privacy is a problem when you are collecting this much identifying information. I actually think that Stripe are one of the few companies that I would trust with this kind of information. They are doing this via their own JavaScript. They're not using a third party service and, and collecting it and, and that third party stores it and etc. But the argument on this page is that they're not clear enough that they're doing this. But I also think that the way that they use this information is is basically through machine learning, you know, to feed machine learning that then helps them identify fraud. So obviously, the more you move your mouse in a random, erratic manner, the more that they realize that you're human, I'm I'm guessing along the lines of. But yeah, they basically want to be clear with the sites that they're using it on. And they also have to be clear that this kind of tracking is happening and that they are building a profile of users to determine whether they're fraudulent or not. So yeah, they probably could be more clear about this, but I, I do actually think this is, this is worthwhile. It's, it's one of the kind of few mouse movement uh, collections that I think is actually worthwhile.
2: This really strikes me as one of those things that before it came to light, like they never gave it a second thought, right? Like it, it was just sort of like, yeah, internal to Stripe, right? Like, uh, yeah, we, we have this JavaScript and yes, we, we track mouse movements. Okay, anyway, moving on. But when it becomes sort of public knowledge in this way... Then they had to respond and say like, oh, no, here's why, here's, here's, here's all. And so I'm just guessing that this was the kind of thing where like they didn't even give it a second thought before it was viewed through the lens of something that could be nefarious. But, you know, like you said, Matt, this is a homegrown script this is not them you know using a third party data collection service that that's going to track for other reasons so no i'm kind of with you on this one
0: yeah and i think you have to view stripe as the bad party in order to see this information but honestly if i'm i'm looking at that i'm seeing them defending what is massive card fraud online
2: yeah so one of the things that they specifically said was that businesses that use stripe would lose a lot of money if this type of javascript didn't exist we see this directly sub businesses don't use our javascript and they are often suddenly and unpleasantly surprised when attacked by sophisticated fraud rings. So it's definitely, it's there for that particular reason. This is probably just going to result in them having a bit more upfront disclosure about the different types of data they collect and why. So Anna, it looks like we have a new, a new segment here. A whole new segment block. A segment block. How much of a developer are you?
0: (laughs) Oh my
1: god.
2: (laughs) Seems
0: like we've got a new segment block in here. Oh right. New runtime.
1: Okay. Well whatever you want to call it I'm happy with it.
0: Anna what's this new environment that's happening? Oh my god.
1: Oh dear. Yep. we're gonna go through some 1Password tips today because a lot of uh, people have been asking for them.
0: Some of the users have actually emailed in and this is the probably number one requested thing that we get. We've tried to shy away from it on the show just because, like, you know, we we don't want to be hard on the the sales. We understand that most people who are listening to this are already... 1Password users and, and maybe just want a bit of security advice, but...
2: Today's podcast brought to you by 1Password. Get it today at onepassword.com. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like the fact that you went more American then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it was like an American putting on
2: an American accent. Yeah, it
1: was very strange. I mean, we can see how effective that is. Might make that an official sponsorship.
2: We'll, we'll put, that, put that as a bumper.
1: Yeah.
0: So... With that, I think we can start some tips. Okay.
1: Yeah, let's go for it.
0: So use your vaults uh, to keep information separate but organized. You can also use vaults to only share access to specific information within a business or a family account. Everyone with access can view... Uh, print and copy the items stored within it.
2: Yeah, I think that vaults are one of the things that once people start using them to organize their their information, everyone starts out with with uh, two vaults. If you're in a family or a team environment, right, you've got a a private vault and you have a shared vault. But you can expand that, to go as many as you want. We have some test accounts with hundreds and hundreds of vaults in them, and you know you start to use these for organization. So, like in our family account, I have it broken down by. There's an estate planning vault. I think I've talked about this before. Like I keep all of our bank information in there and it's shared with the executor of our will in case something happens to us. And then I have like a, a vault for my son and a vault for my daughter. Now that we're doing this whole learn from home thing, they have like eight logins a piece. So I don't want their logins showing up when I'm trying to log into something. So I keep that in a separate vault and my wife has a work vault inside our family account that she uses for some of her work logins and stuff within the one password account itself we have innumerable vaults for all sorts of things different teams have different vaults to share specific types of data we have keys for deploying our software is kept in certain vaults and only certain people have access to it and we have of course like the, the whole company vault where it's got various bits of information we have a vault just for the toronto office that has things like the wi-fi password and stuff so like you can really start to break down the information you want to share into these different vaults and give people different levels of access to it and it's it's a pretty cool way to sort of organize and guarantee that you're only sharing with with whom you want to share so building on that one of the things that we've added recently with vaults which i i love is the ability to set a custom icon on a vault and we've built in a bunch of predefined icons created by our, our wonderful artists here at 1Password. And so you can go and create an icon, we set one for you randomly automatically, but then you can pick from any number of icons or you can go and choose your own. Going back to like the vault for my, my son and my daughter, each one of them has a photo of, of them as their little vault icon. So, you know, customize this stuff, make it look nice.
1: Yeah, it's always more fun when you can customize things, I think. Oh, absolutely. And you can also use favorites and tags to organize your items and find them easily. Add frequently used items to favorites and quickly access them later. You can mark an item as a favorite by dragging it to favorites in the sidebar or select it and click the star icon in the top right. So you can attach
0: files to any item in 1Password. Uh, you can add notes about your insurance, social security cards, Passports and information like that. I actually like to have my passport item and then have a, an attached photo of my passport, like a scanned in one. And I have that for a couple of documents, like the most important ones. I find that's a pretty nice way to organize them. Yeah,
2: uh, there's a ton of different item types that you can store in one password just beyond passwords. One of the more generic types is, is secure notes. You can just have like a, a note type item. They're a really nice way to keep track of essential pieces of information and stuff and, and have them in one spot you can also write them in using Markdown syntax and it'll, you know, you can apply styles like headers and lists and and stuff like that. And so uh, if you're familiar with Markdown, it's, it's a great way to sort of have your notes rendered in, you know, these beautifully styled notes.
1: Nice, yeah. And it's also worth noting that you can use your keyboard to accomplish many tasks in 1Password that normally require kind of a mouse or trackpad. These can be used on OnePassword.com and in the apps. So we always talk about commands and backslash being a game changer when filling your logins. I know I use that one daily.
0: (laughs) And uh, on that note, you can copy and fill passwords into apps uh, that don't integrate directly with 1Password. For your security, one password can automatically remove copied passwords from the clipboard.
2: Yeah. And on desktop, you can drag and drop your information. in. actually, you can do that on, on mobile as well. And it bypasses the clipboard altogether. So you can go right from, from one password into the app where you're, you're trying to fill. So don't forget about drag and drop. So one of the other things that's worth remembering, just from like a peace of mind and safety net point of view is that everything you do it, within your 1Password account is saved. So you can always go back to previous versions of items when you make changes. Uh, so you can actually undo. Now, this is something you you log into the, the 1Password.com web app, and you can see sort of the history of your of your items and stuff there, which is really neat. And then like, you can, of course, trash things within 1Password. And then items that are in the trash are archived, uh, and you can actually restore them. Nice. So... It appears we have a bit of random act of kindness giveaway this week. I like that title for this next segment, environment block. (laughs) 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 So, yeah, basically we want to give something away to someone who you think deserves it. So hit us up on Twitter with the Ask 1Password hashtag. And, you know, there's got to be some people in these very difficult times uh, that are working really hard on the front lines or they're an essential worker. Just someone that you think could use a little bit of kindness from one Password. And uh, you let us know who they are and why. And we're going to pick a few winners from your suggestions. And and we will give them three years of 1Password for free. Yeah,
1: We've done this before as well. And it went really well. So we'd like to run it again, especially in these current times.
0: These current times where we we can't ship t-shirts because none of us want to go to the post office. Yeah, (laughs) that's correct. So
1: we'll give 1Password away for free. Why not?
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I think we can go to real or not real.
1: Yeah. So this week we have chameleons change colors to camouflage themselves.
0: remember this one. I remember this one from I don't know, school?
2: Did they teach us this in school? So chameleons definitely change their colour. Yes. We know that. That is not up for debate. The part of this is to camouflage themselves. And the answer is yes. No. They they do. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, Because they the when they're hunting
0: and shit. No.
1: Yeah,
2: they totally do. Uh,
0: I believe it's mood and temperature rather than to camouflage themselves. No.
1: Interesting. Ooh. Yes, Rue, you were partly right where you said that to camouflage themselves bit is the bit in question. But Matt is more right. Because it's not strictly true. They mostly use it to maintain a certain body temperature and as a way to communicate with each other.
2: Wow. All
1: right.
0: Isn't it to communicate mood? Because I think I was right on both parts.
1: No. (laughs) It is.
2: Uh, but
1: apparently, in any case, cuttlefish are much better at changing colours to fit their surroundings. Oh,
2: wait, isn't that like... Uh, wait, cuttlefish, isn't that like a type, type of octopus?
1: Oh, I can send you a video of a cuttlefish changing its colours.
2: And yeah, it's amazing. They are incredible at camouflaging. Like They create like texture on their skin. It's crazy. Yeah, look at this cuttlefish. Get oh. it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just
0: putting an article in the chat by a small independent press uh, called the national geographic Mm. uh, where the the header of the thing is chameleon colors reflect their emotions
1: okay there you go it's
2: pretty good Mm. you're right (laughs) all right uh listen i gotta i want to hit my stand goal for this week and if uh if i don't move in the next four (laughs) minutes i'm gonna miss it so why don't we wrap this up
1: it's an interesting way to end things
0: Uh, why don't you just stand up now
2: I am standing but it doesn't count it's really about movement not standing jog on the spot Ru I am I'm doing a dance right now jog off jog dude. off <laughs> 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 alright okay I think we can say uh, uh, yeah. that's all for today not the giggles this was fun we should do this again
1: I mean if we have to yeah yeah
2: you should turn up on time <laughs> all right love you Ru. oh hey i got it my dancing did it i got it i got my stand call hey i love, love you guys too this was fun love
1: you bye
2: <laughs> bye bye today's podcast brought to you by one password get it today at onepassword.com